Welcome to the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast. This ain't your grandma's podcast. Welcome to episode 20 of the podcast. I feel really good about reaching episode 20. It makes it feel like episode 100 is just right around the corner. So if you've been here from the beginning, thanks for being a faithful listener. And if you're here for the first time, I hope you enjoy and you'll go back and catch up with us. On this episode, it's special. Never had one like this. Two Aarons on the same episode. Uh, The name Aaron is just such a great name. I don't know of any bad Aarons. I, I was thinking about this the other day. I don't know of a single Aaron beside, I think it was like Aaron Sanchez, maybe. I, I don't know if I have his last name right. He uh, was a football player who I think killed his girlfriend or something. Really bad Aaron there. But besides that Aaron, I really don't know of any bad Aarons. I feel like every Aaron is a great guy. I can't speak for myself. I'll let y'all decide that. But for Aaron Stuttered, he's just another great example of why you should name your child Aaron. I think that's just like one of the greatest blessings that you could do is name your child A.A. Ron. Okay, well, anyways, Aaron was here for a gospel meeting in Tennessee a few weeks ago. I've lost track of time. And he agreed to come on and talk about the physical and spiritual consequences that come with allowing your child or young people in general to saturate their eyeballs with digital technology. That includes social media, includes just phones in general. And what are the ultimately spiritual consequences of that we get to toward the end, around after the 30-minute mark? Uh, I do want to just give a little bit of uh, request for prayers on Aaron's behalf because we did record this episode about three weeks ago-ish, but as we speak, he just had surgery to repair a femur fracture on his, I want to say it was his right leg, I, I can't remember which leg, he was in Sweden doing some evangelistic work over there, and he stepped into a ditch and broke his femur in a foreign country and just had surgery, so I would encourage you guys to keep praying for him. As far as I am aware, at this point, he had a successful surgery. But this is the same Aaron Stuttered from Piedmont, Alabama. Uh, Aaron's a great guy. I'm glad they came on. I hope you enjoy it. I just want to do a quick insert. This episode, as always, is brought to you by 5MinuteBibleStudy.com. Go check out the website. Latest thing on the website is a Bible story I did, Bible story night number 14. And I had special guests, my nephews, Isaiah and Jude Hernandez on the show. They, they play roles. This is the first time I've ever had any Bible story where I had role actors helping me. They were visiting for a time. So go watch that. It was the story of Jonah and the fish, and they did a great job acting. A lot of people have messaged me and said they really like that one. So in the future, if I can have any more kids come on, that would be great. Um, Okay, without any further ado, we're going to cut out all the segments and just give you this 45, 49-minute episode with Aaron as we talk about digital technology and youth. Okay, back here on the main dish of the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast, and I've got, as advertised, Aaron Stuttered. Aaron Stuttered is holding a gospel meeting at the Chapel Grove Church of Christ where I preach. Uh, Aaron, why don't you say hey to everybody? Hey, good morning. I appreciate the opportunity to be on here with you. I was asked by somebody, are you going to have the preacher on for a podcast? And I said, well, man, I hadn't even thought about it. And I recalled that Aaron had given a talk uh, several years ago, maybe when I first moved here, about, um, I just remember you talked about some things about digital technology and young people and stuff, and it got me to thinking, well, I don't feel like I'm even just, I, I'm having you on here for formality's sake. I really want you to talk about this stuff. So uh, we're going to kind of hit that topic and, and maybe surrounding topics as well um, in this episode today. So 
Um, just getting right into that, um, first of all, do you have anything that you want to want to start with, Aaron? Uh, no, I just, again, appreciate the, having, the, uh, having the opportunity to be on here with you. Uh, I remember the sermon you're speaking of. I remember uh, giving that sermon. I've seen it probably posted online in a few places, and I went back and reviewed that so I would make sure I remember what vein the conversation came from. And when we talk about technology, when we talk about just about anything that's come along in the late, latest few years, we always get the idea that it's brand new. Uh, and I think the vein that that sermon I tried to address was uh, the Bible teaches us that God blesses us. He gives us blessings uh, continually. He blesses the good and the bad. Rain falls on the just and the unjust, the Bible teaches us. Uh, and in that lesson, what I tried to point out is that David had made the statement that their table would become a snare, and the table being representative of the blessings that God provides, most often seen first and foremost through the physical blessings such as food and necessities of life. Uh, but because of people's focus on that, because of you know men's sometimes desire to get focused on the temporal, that the blessings God had given them for their temporal use had become their focus and ended up becoming a snare and a trap to them. And so that was sort of the, the idea I was presenting in that sermon. And uh, I look forward to talking more about that with you this morning. And so, like I said, we're going to focus mainly on um, young people and their parents, really kind of both of them. And to get that kicked off, I'll just ask you a pretty broad question. <laughs> I mean, so broad that you're really going to have to take this what direction you want. But is digital technology a good thing or a bad thing? What do you think? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, next question. <laughs> uh, no, go ahead. Uh, you know, as with everything... Uh, is food good or bad? Uh, is water good or bad? Uh, anything that you can talk about could be good or bad depending on its use. You know, water is good. You have to have it. It's vital for life. But if you fall into a big pool of it and can't get out, it all of a sudden becomes very bad. Uh, food, good for you. You need to eat it. Food is necessary for life. But if that's all you focus on, that's all you do, then it becomes bad and it causes health problems in the opposite direction of not having enough. So uh, the same could be said with today's <clears throat> digital resources, uh, technology. Uh, obviously, they're good or I wouldn't be sitting in your living room right now because I use my phone and the directions to your address you sent me last night to get here. Uh, I've used technology to put lessons together now for several, several years. Uh, you know, it's, it speeds things up. There are good benefits to using it. Uh, but again, the bad comes from whenever you overuse, misuse, and don't use for the way that it should be intended, particularly in the life of a Christian. Makes me think of one of my favorite sayings, and I probably say this too much, which is ironic, that too much of a good thing is a bad thing, um, even saying that Absolutely. too much. But um, with that being said, maybe this will lead into more of a particular discussion of, uh, of any one point or two points, whatever you want to bring up in the discussion but did jesus know about iphones you think you think he had a an idea that these were going to come along and and maybe maybe he didn't and so he he didn't address all this digital technology that we have today uh first of all i believe the reason we have digital technology is because the creator of the universe in their godhead form the father word and the word and the holy spirit knew all things ahead of time they gave us the capabilities to understand science and understand the laws that they had put into existence for our benefit and for our use. 
And just like any other of the natural laws, misuse becomes sin. Uh, so I believe that they understood how those principles of science, mathematics, could be used in the future for benefit. Of course, we understand that God always reveals his will, it seems, in progressive form. And so I believe that he understood that in the future this was a possibility and men would eventually figure out how to use electricity and electronics and uh, silicon chips and all the elements that he placed on the earth to be used, just like gasoline uh, stayed under the ground from hundreds of years, thousands of years possibly, before we learned to get it out and put it in the tank of a car. So, uh, sure, I believe he knew it was going to take place. I believe it was part of the plan, and I believe it had a good intention whenever it was built. For he looked and said at the end of creation, he looked and saw that all that he made was good, and he was pleased with his creation. So you're saying that when Paul, when Paul said that the uh, devil is, a, is uh, around the corner seeking whom he may devour like a lion, um, that he, he might as well have said he's around the next swipe? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And whenever we stop and think about all of the traps and pitfalls that we can fall in on a regular basis, we know that Satan is all around us. Uh, he comes through our homes you know, regularly through the television screen if we allow. Uh, he could also come through your home by opening the front door and letting whoever walks down the street come in and have the same influence. So we've got to be careful with how we use these things. Uh, so back to the original question you asked first, is it good or bad? I believe it depends and goes back to how you use it and what you use it for and even the amount of use that you spend on it. It seems like in my experience that, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm so, you know, I'm in the generation that I am. I'm 29. Um, how old are you? I can't remember. I'm 42. 42. I just wanted that to be on record. Um, <laughs> but, you know, being the generation that I am, I feel like probably my generation was more immersed in digital technology than your generation was. And the one currently being brought up, um, let's just say, you know, the eight-year-olds, seven-year-olds, I mean, they're just immersed in it. They don't. They probably don't even know what physical books are, you know. Um, maybe Like, literally, that's probably the, the truth for some. And um, And with that being said, it just seems like, Maybe, again, I'm too close to it, but digital technology has be, just been taken so many different directions in, in the worst way. And parents maybe have let their kids depend on it so much and too much that it's starting to have detrimental effects that are now obvious. You, you can see, you know, 15-year evaluations of what this has done to generations of youth um, what do you think are some of the detrimental effects, if taken and used the wrong way or just too much, that, that digital technology um, has had on, on young people? I first of all want to thank you for pointing out that our ages are so different and separate that you grew up in a totally <laughs> different time frame than I did. So uh, I've been uh, in a public school business for 20 years. The last 20 years I've spent working in public schools. And I literally got to witness the transformation of how schools are administered to students, how the curriculum is delivered. Uh, we are a technology-centered school where I work. And uh, about 11 years ago, 12 years ago, we decided that we would give every single student in our school system a laptop computer free of charge to them other than the usage fee for the curriculum that we have to pay for that they help uh, pay for at the beginning of the year. But uh, I have watched a transformation on how kids learn, uh, how they study, how they communicate. I've seen it firsthand. 
and I can tell you there are good and bad to both uh, sides using traditional books, using traditional hard copy text and print. Uh, there's good to, to using that system, but there's also some drawbacks to it. You know, I remember the days when I was in school and we'd have a backpack with six or seven textbooks and notebooks and binders and everything you carried was on your back and people were having to be checked for scoliosis and all sorts of things for that because their book bags were so heavy as, you know, elementary students. And whenever we gave our students these computers, these MacBooks, uh, they were able to carry one little notebook around in their, or one notebook computer around in their backpack without all that extra weight and bulk. So, you know, there's, there's some benefits to that. So as far as the detrimental effects are concerned, I have been able to witness some of the things that I wish we could have figured out before we started our transformation at school and some of the things that researchers have now become interested in. Uh, there's this idea of screen time. You've heard it mentioned that the amount of time you spend staring at a screen, whether it be a computer screen or your smartphone screen, your tablet screen, television screen could be included in that. Uh, that that is having some adverse effects on some cognitive development of, of kids. Uh, you know, looking at some of the statistics, uh, starting at as young as two years old, the average is that most kids are on some sort of screen, looking at some sort of screen as much as 49 minutes a day. Uh, you know, when you think about maybe putting a kid in front of Sesame Street when we were growing up, maybe that's not so so different from what we may have been accustomed to in my generation. Uh, but if you look at the progression of those ages, as you go up in bracket from two to two to four, that increases to nearly two and a half hours a day statistically. And then from ages five to eight, over three hours per day. And then from ages eight to 12, almost five hours per day. And they say that teenagers are on average statistically on their screens seven and a half hours per day. So I don't know how long you sleep. I don't know how long you eat and work out and do the other things you do, but I've added up the days that I spend, the time that I spend in doing various things during my day. I don't know where those seven and a half hours come from unless it's while you're doing things concurrently. Uh, multitasking, they say, but the research also says that using your device uh, on a prolific amount has led people to not be able to multitask in the sense that they were uh, whenever they weren't so attached to these devices. So when you speak of detrimental effects, uh, just some of the numbers that I was kind of looking over, 88% uh, of people say they feel anxious whenever they leave their phones at home. 88%. 73% uh, of people say they bring their phones into the restroom with them, to the toilet. Whenever you stop and think about people checking their phones on a regular basis, 69% of people check their phones within five minutes before going to sleep. It's no coincidence that sleep patterns have been interrupted by cell phone usage. Uh, some of that tied to the blue light wavelengths that come from the screens that they say interrupt the circadian rhythms and the release of melatonin and uh, serotonin and other chemicals in your brain that cause you to have the circadian rhythms. 66% uh, of people sleep with their phones. That's amazing. I mean, I saw a, a, an ad or a, a, a article, an ad for an article on one of the social media platforms not long ago where they were having trouble with cell phone batteries exploding and some had even exploded under people's pillows. 
certainly that could be detrimental. <laughs> uh, 43% of people unlock their phones at least 51 times a day, sometimes as many as 100. Unlocking, that means you've put it away, you've shut it down, you're not going to use it, but you pull it back out and unlock it to check something to, to see what's going on. 33%, this is, this is a bad one, 33% of people spend more time with their phones than they do with their partner, their, their spouse. Say that again, 33%? 33%, the statistic says, spend more time with their phones than with their lovers. And, uh, of course, there's a, there's a whole other topic we could branch into at another time that the relationships that have been destroyed from what goes on on some of these devices is, is certainly uh, something we need to bring into consideration and get under control. Uh, the number of people using mobile phones worldwide has been steadily increasing since they've been introduced. 5.2 billion people in the world now own a smartphone. Population, I believe, is somewhere nearing 8 billion at this point. So you're talking about 60% basically of the world has access to a smartphone, and that includes some of the underdeveloped countries as we would understand them to be underdeveloped. Uh, people are discussing now in circles, especially in educational and uh, you know psychological circles, the, the, the psychiatrists are, are investigating what type of mental health issues that we're facing now as a as a society because of kids being addicted to their phones and i think some of the numbers that we just discussed would indicate yeah people are addicted to these things uh these are these are these are devices that were intended for our good intended for us to benefit from them and they do and we can uh, but because of that people have become addicted to the uh, dopamine secretions that are that go off. There's there's some research out there that indicates when your notifications chime on your phone, uh, you have a small amount of dopamine secreted that causes you to be addicted to hearing the next message, to reading what's been said. So not coincidentally then that some of your more uh, prolific social media platforms have learned to harness that and are using that to keep you addicted to their platforms. While you're saying that, I want to direct people, if you want to watch a video that's very good on what you just said, on what Aaron just said, search up Simon Sinek on the millennial generation and social media, and uh, he goes into the neurochemical responses of you know looking at a screen and hearing the ding and all that, and what addiction level that is built in our society as a whole, and what detrimental effects that has on uh, upcoming generations. Very good video. But anyways, sorry to interrupt. No, that's um, perfectly good. It completely backs up what you're saying so let's just say the normal day starts off you get up you get dressed you shave you brush your teeth do whatever you do to get ready you go out the door you put your phone in your pocket or in your purse if you're a female or maybe in a, a cradle or something some people like to carry them in pouches on their belt and your intention is to use it maybe to get from place to place with directions like i said that's how i found your home here for the first time today uh, your intention is if the wife needs you to do something during the day, you pick it up, call her, you, she calls you back. Uh, text messaging, obviously very beneficial. You don't have to make a full-length phone call to get a very short, simple message across. And you get on the highway, and ding, here comes the notifications. And you say, I'm not going to pick that up, I'm driving. Ding, ding. And dopamine has now flooded your system. Somebody's on the other end, and there's information that you need to know. 
And the more you think about it, then the suspense you're in causes another level of addiction to, to kick in. And before you know it, you've picked your phone up and looked at it while you're driving down the highway at 60 miles an hour. Now, the area you live in up here, that could be deadly. Uh, I say that because I have rounded the corner several times and met some of the Amish on the road with their horse and buggies not doing 60 miles an hour in the same lane. Uh, you see this a lot of times on the news that sometimes those buggies get run over by traffic. And I would say that as many as, uh, I don't know, a bunch of them are caused by people who are distracted driving. That's a, that's a real broad term we use to describe today. But the research points to the fact that now people who are using their phones while they're driving are more of a problem than people who are drunk with alcohol behind the wheel and piloting their cars down the road at excessive speeds. Uh, so yeah, there, there's a lot of drawbacks to our addiction to these phones, our drawbacks to the addictions to our screens. You know, we lump, we lump phones in, I guess, and, and say whenever we talk about these, we're referring to cell phones only, but you know, uh, sitting in front of a computer screen all falls into this screen time statistic as well. So uh, we need to be mindful that you know the statistics are, are sort of a broad survey of all screen time uh, put together. So you know, spiritually speaking, you know, all these are pretty physical consequences, but they obviously have spiritual um, leadings to them, if that's the right way to put it. So spiritually speaking, the development of youth. And I mean, even, you know, you and me even, but let, let's focus on the development of youth just for the sake of this episode. What do you think are some of the spiritual consequences of that? Well, again, since you've pointed out that you're much more youthful than I, <laughs> uh, you may be able to say more to that than I can. But what I will point out from my perspective is this, uh, as you age, you look back over your life and you begin to question some of the decisions you made when you were younger and if you'd have made different decisions, if you could have done things differently, if things would have come uh, come out dif- come out differently. Uh, the Bible speaks of making the most out of every opportunity that you have. We read in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16, dopamine. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> Uh, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16, that we are to redeem the time because the days are evil. That literally means to buy back the time. As you grow older, that becomes more of a uh, the forefront of thought of your mind. Uh, you are running out of time. There's sand in all of our hourglasses, as it were, and you look back and realize how much of that time you've wasted on things that were frivolous, things that were unproductive, things that were wasteful. And it seems to me from the statistics that we've just mentioned a few minutes ago that uh, you spend an extraordinary a lot of time doing things that are unproductive sometimes with your phone, just looking at what other people have posted. With that also being said, uh, the things that we post online can often be uh, have spiritual consequences, I believe. Uh, Paul, in writing to the young evangelist Timothy over in the first epistle he wrote to him that we have a record of, speaks to those who are younger widows, that is, they've lost their husbands at a younger age. He tells them to, the, uh, to not take them into the number to be supported because they will learn to be idle, wander from house to house, and the imp- impression you get from that uh, talk is that they're wandering aimlessly. They have nothing other else to do, nothing other to occupy their time with. 
he goes on to qualify that and say they've become tattlers and busybodies and speaking things which they ought not. Uh, a quick perusal, perusal, what's the word for that? Uh, perusal. Perusal <laughs> through Facebook will show to you that there are many people out there who are keyboard heroes. They don't mind saying whatever crosses their mind and posting it online, and I think that definitely fits into that speaking things which they ought not, things that they would never say to a person's face, things that they would never come out and openly state, and even if you were to confront them about what they've posted online, they would say, well, that's not exactly how I meant it, uh, because apparently you can type things and hit enter a lot easier than you can speak them through your mouth and, and form words that can be audibly heard. Uh, Paul told the Corinthians, bring everything into subjection. Even he understood that if he didn't bring himself into subjection, that he himself, after teaching others, could be cast away. And so we understand as Christians that's one of the main calls that we have to, to repent and bring our lives into God's will and subjection to his way of doing things. And uh, a whole lot of that involves controlling your emotions, controlling your tongue, controlling what you do with your body, and I find that it feels like there's a lot more freedom for people to maybe overlook some of those self-control and temperance commandments whenever they have such quick and easy access to voice their opinion and put it out there for everyone to find. I was thinking, you know, as you're talking, I was thinking of some of the spiritual consequences, you know, that come to my mind. And um, one of the things, just from stuff I've, I listen to, is just the subtle indoctrination that is employed by a lot of uh, movie networks, TV networks, and so forth. And I, I see all the time parents put their kids in front of a iPad and just like go and do whatever. And maybe sometimes they kind of they got their hands so full they they kind of almost what else are you gonna do to keep this kid sitting still? Uh, sometimes it may be out of necessity. Even I don't know what they did before the iPad, <laughs> but uh, anyways, you know the subtle indoctrination that that are on some of these networks and sometimes. Uh, here lately, like, you know, for example, the whole Disney debacle, uh, Nickelodeon years ago, coming out in Staten, you know, they are purposely putting in LGBTQ um, characters and agendas, and they're telling you that that's, that's what they're going to put on there. Uh, and that doesn't phase some people, seemingly. And that over, if you're saying how many hours a day for seven, eight-year-olds, I mean, you said like maybe three hours a day, let's just say. Um Five to eight-year-olds over three hours per day, according to the statistics that I've... Let's just say even be conservative every other day for 10 years. What do you think the effect that's going to have, you know? That's what comes to my mind. Uh, depression. I see so many young people that are depressed, and their parents see like, man, they must have clinical depression. They need to be put on a pill. Maybe they just need to be detached from their digital device that gives them poor body image. Um, there's a lot of bullying goes on through these phone devices and social media networks and so forth. They, they're not able to socialize because they can socialize quote unquote on these devices. But then when they get to see somebody who they're friends with in the flesh, they don't even talk to them because it's awkward now and they've not developed the ability to actually talk to people in person, you know, and, and then just self-discipline. I mean, we're literally given these addictive devices to young people and, getting them addicted to this dopamine surge so that then when they get to be teenagers, um, they're already set up for failure in redeeming the time, man. And that's like the least of their worries. <laughs> really, I feel like. But, uh, man, you just take it all. 
into consideration. And I, I feel like this is why we need to be talking about this, you know? I mean, this is five-minute Bible study, but this is just kind of the practical side of of where we've gotten in terms of biblical illiteracy, lack of self-discipline, and immature Christianity is largely, I think, affected by this digital age. You're absolutely right on everything that you just said. Uh, again, from a public school background, I get to see a lot more than this than the average person probably does. Teenagers who post things online bullying one another. And, you know, we use that word bullying pretty, pretty broadly. Uh, there's a definition to that that sort of bullying has to meet, and it's a repetitive pattern, and a lot of people don't get that. A lot of people feel like if they've had hurt feelings, they've been bullied. Uh, but, you know, there are people out there who use their access to social media and other outlets to intentionally cause harm, to, to psychological harm, and even some who threaten physical harm through their devices. Uh, so, yeah, that's a that's a huge issue right now in, in schools and businesses that people are using their phones. And I'm perhaps maybe that went on before devices were so prolific and we just never heard about it. Uh, but yeah, it, that's true. That is it's something we deal with a lot at school. Um, speak of depression and anxiety. Uh, you know, kids today uh, are, are, you know, their makeup, what's in them, is not so different than what it was 100 years ago. I mean, they have the same potential and opportunities to, uh, you know, create the same chemicals in their brain, opportunities to meet and greet and get to know one another. But there is almost like a false world that's built online. A lot of times, you know, you just kind of browse through Facebook and everybody posts the best things that happen to them on Facebook. If you get to take a really cool trip, well, the world needs to see that. I don't know how you can enjoy that if you don't rub it in everybody's face. <laughs> uh, you know, you got to go on a really cool trip. You're going to see what I did and how I spent my money. Well, what if you're back home and you see your best friend from school taking a cool trip that your parents may not be able to afford to take you on at that point? Well, all of a sudden, your life just took a step down because you can't in any form of your imagination see yourself being able to have that much fun uh you get on there and see that 150 people have commented on a post that one person has made and the next post that maybe you made only one or two people gave you a thumbs up all of a sudden now you just devalued in your own mind the things that you think of yourself and and how you fit into this world uh, and so, yeah, there's a lot of that that goes on that is probably false. You know, it's it's been falsified, but kids are very self-critical uh, because of, you know, the age they are. Uh, peer pressure is a huge, huge influence on their life. Uh, you sort of grow out of that as you get older, but when you're a teenager, peer pressure is the world. I mean, that's what your friends are doing. That's what you want to be part of. And we understand from the Bible, you know, you can't be what the world is and you can't do what the world does. You can't be a Christian and follow the ways of the world. So, uh, you know, you get on Facebook and maybe look into some of those things, not being able to participate in them. And, you know, you realize my life is not as good as everybody else's. At least that's what you think. And it's falsified. And here we go. We've, we've all of a sudden got some negative feelings come from what? From a platform that didn't exist 25 years ago. So, yeah, I, I agree completely to this depression and anxiety, and, and there's some statistics out there to back that up. 
you know, kids are now gotten wise enough to say that we need to break away from our own devices, our own phones. Uh, like as many as 60% of kids are now saying, I'm addicted to my device. I need to take a step back. Now, that's kids who don't have the rational reasoning portions of their brain fully developed yet that are able to see this. Parents have already recognized it. Teachers recognized it first. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we'll not get in a lot in this talk probably to the physiological changes that go on in the human brain whenever you stare at a screen all day long, only to mention this, the portions of your brain that are responsible for long and short-term memory, especially in spatial recognition, uh, are deeply affected by staring at a screen, staring at, at uh, you know, tablet, phone, or computer or television screen. And whenever I was growing up, the big push was kids are spending too much time on video games because that was the latest technology that kids were occupying their time with. Uh, what we found is that kids who do those things are not as coordinated as they grow up. Their uh, motor development, their uh, psychomotor development, that is their brain connecting to their body and being able to have hand-eye coordination, for instance, or foot-eye coordination if you're playing a game of soccer. Uh, those things don't develop as rapidly because they have got sort of this warped sense of spatial recognition from looking at a screen six feet in front of them if they're at a television or you know, a few inches in front of them if they're on a computer or a, a tablet. And then they get into the real world and you throw a ball at them for real instead of on a screen like you do on maybe some of the video games and they can't catch it or hit it because their spatial development is not there. Uh, you know, All of those things have been started to be researched more heavily and there is some developmental delays that have been recognized uh, from kids that are babysat with a tablet. Uh, I get it, parents. I'm a parent myself. I get it. Kids are screaming. You're trying to get supper ready, Mom. You're trying to get clothes ironed for tomorrow. You're trying to get uh, the oil changing in the car in the backyard, Dad. You're trying to do something that requires your full focus and attention, and you've got a screaming two-year-old standing there. It's very, very easy, tempting, and probably done. Uh, I've done it. Take your phone off your hip. Turn on a, a quick video clip on YouTube. Kids quiet down they sit there and look at it now all of a sudden you've gotten the response you wanted they've gotten the response they wanted and so it becomes really easy to let that thing do the parenting for you and just as you said the problem becomes if you allow them to sit and stare at that thing forever they get indoctrinated from what comes across it and uh, i'm glad you brought up that some of these people are doing this intentionally they've been doing it for years and slipping it in under the radar, now they finally admitted, yeah, that's what we've been doing all along, and it's worked. I mean, you see how liberal our society's become because of some of the things that our kids have grown up, we grew up watching, and they propose it as normal. They, they present it as normal and, and acceptable. And how could you dare stand and, and speak against sin that the Bible speaks out against? How could you stand against that? Because we watched that in a Disney movie, and it was perfectly good and normal there. I'm glad you spoke to the, you know, handing the tablet or whatever to your kids, because when I said that earlier, I didn't mean to be speaking down to parents who do that necessarily because, you know, who am I to be talking on that? But you being a parent can, can talk to that. Uh, in fact, I say that I've actually 
turned on the phone for my niece, you know, and had her, she's sitting in my lap watching some stupid video on my phone, you know, and that was, I didn't hey, even if, think about it. At the time. If you've ever taken a road trip with kids, <laughs> you, you get it. <laughs> you get it. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we try to limit our kids screen time as much as we can in the vehicles when we're traveling. But I'm going to tell you, it's a, it makes for a lot quieter trip, a lot more safe trip even. When you're not flustered when you get there, if the kids have been quietly occupied. And so, you know, we've, we've used it for that very purpose. I'm not bashing parents who give their kids a phone to calm them down. It's only that that creates a pattern, and it creates something that becomes really easy. And you got to guard against that stuff. you got to guard against, you know, taking the easy button all the time and, or pressing the easy button all the time and, so like we said from the beginning, something that's good has some good values to it, but in moderation, obviously. On topic with everything that we've been talking about for the last 15 minutes, maybe, um, there was this book that I'm reading called Atomic Habits by James Clear, and he had something about all these social media, talking about social media particularly, and, and video games and this technology. He was talking about the underlying motivations behind why people use these things, and, and they think that the motivation is good. For example, um, Facebook. People browse Facebook because they want to connect and bond with others. And to an extent, you can do that. But really what happens is you find out you don't have as much a connection and a bond as you think you do or you thought you would once you started using this platform. And with you talked about liking and commenting and these people have it and I don't. You know, you want to win social acceptance and approval. And I see that whenever I see a, you know, there's some girl, beautiful girl, and she's posting brand new profile pictures every single day. Why is she doing that? She's a beautiful girl. She doesn't because she has a poor body image is the only thing I can figure. And why else would you do that? Because you, she needs that approval, she thinks. And so they use this Instagram or Facebook as a way of getting that approval. Um, and then, you know, like you say, so the person that's not so beautiful, <laughs> they, they do the same thing and they're not getting all that. And it just makes it a downward spiral. Um, or, or maybe it's the, the kid who has a parent who limits their use and they don't get to do that all the time and it doesn't necessarily mean that they are not as beautiful i mean they probably could be but maybe equally sure. beautiful in the eyes of the beholder but their parent says hey put your phone away you're not going to sit here all night while we're at supper and look at it so guess what now this person doesn't get to see all the likes or make all the posts of their new profile pics and now all we've got out there is this falsified image we spoke of a while ago that i would say though that kid that's eating at the dinner table is going to have a better body image and self-image. Oh, sure. you know, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying you don't ever really understand the real reason why one person uses their phone more than other, but what you do see is the end use, yeah. the number of likes and comments, and, well, I must not be as pretty as she is. Yeah. I agree with that. And the last one that he brought up, which I thought, you know, you said video games. He said a lot of people do that to achieve status and prestige. You know, you can win all these pseudo awards on some video game. And uh, actually, I was talking to a buddy of mine, and he said, you know, these, these kids, they'll brag about how good they are at some game. And he, <laughs> and he says, well, if you were really good at it, you would be getting paid for it. I guess you aren't that great at it after all. <laughs> I mean, that's the truth. I mean, you know, you, you, you think that you're really good, and yeah, you're better than I am because I don't play video games. But are you really that good? And even if you are, um, <laughs> what, what real pride is there to take in that? <laughs> and so what real prestige, what real achievement is there? And, and all these are the motivations. I believe they're spot on. He hit it on the head, but um, it's all just, it's all surface. It's all promise without fulfillment. Um, well, with that being said, I wanted to ask you, you know, let's just say you have a parent and they have this kid and 
they heard this and you have pricked them to the heart and they cry out, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> but no, no really, they, they want to start limiting their kids' screen time. They want to really try to prevent their kids from developing into this poor, mopey um, 16-year-old who doesn't have any friends, um, has depression, all this stuff that we've talked about, you know. How, do, how does that parent, with some practical stuff maybe, that they can think about implementing to try to prevent that, and at the same time, you know, maintaining a, a good quality kid? Sure. I have to go back to the analogy I used a few minutes ago. What happens when you realize you're overweight? You begin to look at your diet and see what you're taking in and compare what you're taking in to what you're healthily should be taking in, and you start making cutbacks. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you'll remember the sermon uh, from which this conversation sort of derived, the actual title I had of that sermon, I don't think it's titled like this on online, but the actual title sermon was uh, Push Away from the Table. you got to back up and recognize you know, what you're doing is not good for you. You've got to recognize that how you are using this is not to your benefit, it is more to your detriment, and that those blessings have become a trap for you at which point you have to turn that table back into the table of blessings, not a trap and a snare again, as David uh, spoke of there. So, you know, the first thing I would advise parents, number one, if you're going to allow your kid to have a smartphone, you need to monitor it. You need to know what they are doing, who they are talking to, and what they are, how much use they are putting in on the thing. Uh, it is very irresponsible as a parent to give a, a child a smartphone and then never look at it. Uh, there are all sorts of evil out there in the world, and you are opening a door to that world whenever you give your children a smartphone without any sort of oversight. Uh, so I would say, first of all, you know. And if you can't monitor, you're better off not giving that child a phone. You're better off not giving them that access because... You're still the parent at the end of the day, and how they turn out is still going to be a bearing on your parenthood. It's still going to be a reflection of what you've done to them or for them as a, as a parent. So uh, know what they're doing. You can stop a lot of problems before they get too de developed if you know. Uh, secondly, set restrictions. I mean, that's practical. Uh, make sure that the phone is used for what it's used for. Uh, I would be lying if I said I'd not provided one for my own kids at this point. Mine will be driving soon, and I wanted to be able to stay in contact with them. Uh, they're now participating in sports at school, and I have to go and pick them up whenever they're finished working out or practicing. So, you know, it's it's convenient to do that and have that, but uh, whenever they come home, I usually make them limit the amount of time that they're going to be on the thing. On weekends, maybe a little differently, but... You can waste a lot of time scrolling through things, so we, we set limits and turn them off, put them up. Uh, and along those same lines, my third piece of advice in this uh, line of question is do not, do not let those phones go in a closed room. Do not let them go into the room, bedroom, into the bathroom. Uh, there's so much, so much going on behind closed doors uh, going back to our generation, my generation, you know, uh, Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. I understand sin has been around. Uh, you know, people perpetrating evil on each other have been around for a long time. Uh, so I don't believe anything that's never happened before is going to start happening. But the access to that is what the problem is. 
And I find that there are so, so many problems that come from kids making poor decisions behind closed doors. And nobody ever knows about them until it's a problem so big that it has to be sorted out. And then sometimes it's sorted out legally. Uh, I remind parents at school that in Alabama, where I'm from, the statutory uh, laws uh, for, for sexual crimes, uh, a, a child can literally send a picture of themselves on the phone and become a distributor of internet pornography or child pornography. They can literally look at an image and redistribute it to their friend and become a trafficker of that, someone who's looked at several images and sent those on. If you are convicted in our state of some of those crimes, it carries with it not only the penalty and, of shame and embarrassment of being uh, you know, caught looking at those things, but also it carries with it a criminal record. And you know, in, in an extreme case, you might find that someone who as a young teenager sent a picture, received a picture, somehow distributed child pornography through their phone, uh, ends up with the label of being a sex offender and must register through the Bureau of Investigations registered sex offenders. And whenever you move into a new community, everybody in that community gets a letter saying, more or less a pervert has moved into your neighborhood. And it may have been something very small when it started, and because no one knew what was going on behind those closed doors, then you know the parent you know, ends up seeing their child suffer through some consequences that they'd rather not have to suffer through because of some poor decisions made. So I would not allow a cell phone uh, to go behind closed doors. What I would do at my house, and I'm not saying I'm the expert on this, but at my house, when it's time to go to bed, all devices are on the kitchen table. I see them all, I check them all, they're all off before we go to bed. That way we're not tempted to text, write, call, anything during the middle of the night. And then when we wake up in the morning, we can you know, put those back where they go, maybe in a pocket or in a purse or book bag or whatever. Uh, oversight is key to everything. You need to monitor and limit how much kids are on social media. You need to monitor and limit how much they're uh, communicating without communicating face-to-face, -face. and I say that in that way because of this, they're going to communicate electronically. You don't have to teach them that, but you need to spend time with them, making them learn to carry on a face-to-face -face discussion, making them carry on a face-to-face -face conversation. They're going to interview for a job one day, and they're going to need to be able to have those soft skills of speaking to other people, uh, making eye contact, and shaking hands, and that sort of thing. And I find that people who've lived their life online often lack some of those skills and lack some of the abilities to be able to interact with other people in a one-to-one -one, uh, scenario or even standing up and, and making you know, public addresses and that sort of thing. Uh, whenever you get finished at the end of the day, know this, that cell phones are, are not the enemy. The enemy is Satan. Satan is in the world. He's seeking whom he may devour. We just don't want to offer him a free meal. And uh, we've got to be on guard. We've got to know what's going on. The Bible says walk circumspectly. Well, it means we know what's going on around us. It means we know what's happening in the world around us. And uh, we're not giving Satan a free shot at our kids by not monitoring the things that they have access to. I'll add one in there that you may not be. You know much about TikTok? Uh, I try to stay as ignorant of TikTok as I can. But yes, I know what it is. Well, I would add on there, if you have a uh, child... Like there's absolutely zero reason why they need TikTok, and it will be, it is. Uh, I, I'm not. I might even do a full episode on this with uh, with Chance Dyer later. We talked about doing this. There is so much evil 
that you do not even have to go looking for. It will come to you more than any other social media app on TikTok. I'm under the impression, or I've heard, that Snapchat was developed. Yeah, yeah that's uh, number two. Yeah. Snapchat. Snapchat was developed for the purposes of sending nude photos is what I was under the... Yeah, and they do have parental controls on that, but it's it's only partial. And uh, even still, it may not be the primary reason why people use Snapchat. Now it's become pretty universal, but there is no way that you can completely monitor Snapchat's um, uh, private messaging as a uh, as a parent if you have parental controls over it. So that's the number two is like there is no need for your child really to have Snapchat. And they may not be cool because they don't have Snapchat. And that's the cool thing is to give out your Snap handle nowadays, if I'm saying that right. <laughs> Who knows? But Who knows? Uh, I'll check my MySpace account when we get finished and find out. <laughs> yeah. I'm just uh, putting that out there. That's my personal takes on, on those social media apps. But as usual, you'll say something and, and – People probably won't listen, but I'm just going to put it out there. So on the day of judgment, I put it out there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, this this is something that you've got to, you know, commit yourself to if you're gonna if you're gonna pursue this. If you're gonna be a parent and give your child a cell phone, you need to know there are inherent dangers that if you don't monitor, keep track, and keep progress of what your children are children are doing, uh, there are some detrimental things that can come. But you know, the Bible says that which has been will be again. That which has been done has been done already. Uh, there's nothing new out there under the sun. There's no no new sins. Uh, there's just new ways to get to them, and we got to be aware of that and be on guard for that, and uh, you know protect our kids because you know before long they'll be they'll be adults. They'll be the ones leading, the ones coming behind them, and it's a chain that continues on and on as long as the Lord allows the world to stand, and we want to make sure they're able to hold their link in place and uh, make sure those behind them have the same firm footing in the scriptures and understand the precepts that God expects them to live by as, as strongly and as forcefully as we were taught growing up by godly parents and others in the church who taught us those things. It's very good. Um, you know, we could talk about a lot more stuff. One of the questions I was going to ask you, but we've talked for a long time and I don't think we have time, was um, how this affects biblical illiteracy growing up, you know, that's something to think about. So if you're, if you're thinking about uh, kids only in this discussion, you're an adult, maybe you're a biblically illiterate adult. I think one of the things that has contributed to that is just the immersion in social technology that it distracts us from the word of God. And a lot of people come to me with problems and they tell me, you know, I have problems with this addiction or this sin or this bad habit. And, um, they have become prey to something that has some good to it, to the fact, if nothing else, they're starving their spirit. They may not be feeding the flesh, but they're starving their spirit so much that then they come at 40 years old, at 42 years old. <laughs> and they, That's old. That's old. <laughs> they say, you know, what, what's the problem? I just don't understand it. Well, Jesus said when the unclean spirit's gone out of man, he walked through the dry places and seeking a place to rest. He doesn't find one, so he returns to where he came. If you clean up the house and he comes back and finds it swept and garnished, guess what? He's bringing worse with him when he comes back. You've got to fill back up with good things. When you remove evil from your life, if you've just got an empty void, a vacuum left in that place, and you don't fill it with works that the Bible teaches we should be engaged in as Christians, uh, it's a matter of time before temptation sets in and takes a hold again. So uh, absolutely, you've got to curtail, cut back, refrain abstain but if that's all you teach christian living as which is this becomes a whole new sermon topic and and podcast 
series, but if all you do is teach abstain, refrain, don't do, then the Christian life seems very negative and, and ho-hum and boring because you can't ever do anything that would be fun and enjoyable. God created our lives to be interactive with one another, to be built up in the body of Christ requires interaction, and he, he expects us to enjoy life with each other as Christians and to stay away from the world which pollutes his people which, uh, and try to draw them out of the world into the church. I mean, that, that's our mission. We're trying to save people who don't know who God is, who don't see the light and can't understand why their lives are not what they wish they were. But, yeah, we could keep on going for a long time, but uh, if for nothing else, we got to quit because my back is killing me from bending over this microphone. So we're going to wrap this episode up. And um, appreciate you coming on today. And by the way, if you're interested, you're a listener, go on to Chapel Grove Church of Christ YouTube page, and he is preaching a series of sermons. You can find all those video sermons on our YouTube page there. Subscribe to the page. Subscribe to this podcast as well. Rate the podcast. It'll help get it out there. And until next time. I hope you enjoyed the episode as always. If you have any questions about what we talked about and you would like to direct that toward Aaron Stuttered, just reach out to me at 5-Minute Bible Study Facebook, Instagram, ambatty at yahoo.com, and I will direct you to Aaron Stuttered's email address where you can ask him directly. I do appreciate his parental experience coming into this, his educational experience, and how he's able to give a perspective that I really just can't because I've not had the life experience and professional experience that he has. So I hope that this was enlightening for you. I hope that it makes you at least slow down, second guess how much you're exposing your child mindlessly to digital technology and some of the harmful effects that it can have. We didn't even get into things like uh, pornography. Um, that's a totally another subject, but that's something else to take into consideration. And are you monitoring these devices? Are you monitoring the time that you allow your children to spend on these devices and the apps that they have and, and so forth? Well, that's all for today. We'll have episode 21 before you know it. Rate the podcast, subscribe to it. Ratings really help the podcast get out there. Until next time, this has been the 5-Minute Bible Study Podcast with your host, Aaron Batty. Aaron Batty.